0: Hi, Paul.
1: Hi, Anna. How are you?
0: I'm good. Are you ready to talk about finding talent in Africa?
1: I sure am. Looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. Let's do this. In a world where we often focus on the big ideas, it's the people behind them that truly make the difference. But how do you find and develop the right talent in a continent as diverse and dynamic as Africa? I'm here today with Paul Breloff, he is the co-founder of ShortList, a company that provides executive search services and workforce development for leading startups and impact organizations in Africa, and we are going to talk about the role of human capital in the economic growth of a developing country. Welcome to the podcast, Paul.
1: Thanks, Anna. It's great to be here.
0: I was trying something different today. This particular intro, I had ChatGPT to to write for me.
1: ChatGPT is getting too smart, too smart. (laughs)
0: It's true. It's true. He got it almost right. I don't know. Maybe Mm -hmm. people can leave in the comments what they thought about this intro. Yeah, so I'm really curious to talk about finding talent in Africa is a subject that I haven't talked much, or if anything, here in the podcast, and I'm really keen to learn. I'm going to learn from you today, and I'm going to learn as we go along, and to know a little bit more about you, about ShortList, the work you guys do in Africa. But um, I just want to start with why Africa?
1: Yeah, so um, um, I'm originally from a small town in western New York State, so uh, from the U.S., Uh, and actually didn't even have a passport until I was almost 22 um, um, when I first left the country, other than Canada, which if you're from Western New York, you do quite regularly. Um, So um, I've packed a lot of travel and uh, uh, um, living abroad in since then um, um, and spent uh, much of the last 15 years working uh, in India and and in Africa. Um, the, The why Africa question kind of comes back to what we do as a business and 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 what we we care about. Um, I I spent many years in social enterprise and impact investing, particularly working in microfinance and financial inclusion, in India and Africa. And then I uh, setting up an impact investing fund uh, called Axion Venture Lab that was investing in still invests in. Uh, uh, for-profit high-impact financial inclusion startups around the world. Um, More and more as I was investing, I saw that uh, we focused a lot of attention on getting money to these companies when really it was people that was making or breaking their success. Uh, We saw over and over again that it was the human capital side that was um, um, at least as important as the money side. And uh, uh, relatively few people um, working on that. So I know we'll get into more, more details and context, but, but but generally speaking, we started Shortlist about seven years to try to focus on human capital and hiring challenges for all these companies we cared about working across the, the impact and the innovation economies uh, and, and picked Africa in large part because um, there is such a Dynamic and booming um, startup and innovation economy. There's there's a lot more investment coming in. Um, there's a, a really booming youth workforce. Um, there's going to be more people entering the the workforce in Sub-Saharan Africa in the next ten years than the rest of the world combined. So the uh, the, the the talent dynamics and the hiring dynamics are are very unique over here. So um, um, it's kind of let us let us here.
0: And no, oh, I totally agree with what you said. I I have. Founders here in the podcast, we always talk about the funding, funding, raising capital, but I haven't done any episodes yet about finding the right people. And you talk about Africa, especially sub-Saharan Africa being a very young continent. I think there are a lot of opportunities, but also there are lots of challenges. You mentioned different dynamics. So what are the challenges for that you found so far, and also what are the opportunities?
1: Yeah, I, and I, of course, like most most markets, the the challenges I think are the opportunities. Um, when when we started shortlist, um, we actually didn't know what kind of business we would become. We've always been uh, loyal to the problem rather than a particular solution. When we started, I think uh, one of the problems, which I very much think still exists, that we were looking to address was kind of a data. Problem. It was very, very hard to understand in 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 markets, and and I'll I'll mostly talk about Kenya where we're centered. But I think what I'm saying is probably more true than not across many countries in Africa. But there's a there's there's not as it's very hard to determine at first pass who's a good candidate and who's not because um, you generally fall back onto signals of of pedigree like where you went to school, things like that, which are really not very good predictors of whether someone can actually do the job. So we started our business as much more of an assessment and software company uh, focused on how we could collect better data. That's still something we realized was important. But as we've gotten uh, further along, we realized that as we talk to more and more companies, often what's needed is a much more hands-on approach and a much more evolved, involved approach um, end-to-end. Um, I think uh, some of the challenges that, that we see on a company side um, are just a, a lot of founders who are particularly the young founders really haven't had a lot of experience or thought a lot about hiring and team building. Um, they have it may not, particularly the, the founders that are in their 20s, they may, may not have even worked much um, um, in team concepts uh, contexts coming out of school and things like that. And uh, whereas there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of blogs about how to raise your first financing round, there's comparatively very few blogs and uh, wisdom and guidance about how do you build an early team when you're young, when you don't have a brand, when you don't have much money, how does that work? And so I think uh, um, there's there's a big kind of like experience and know-how gap uh, that we like to try to fill as an advisor and as a partner uh, um, to these companies. Um, there's of course uh, um, um, not as easy and transparent of talent markets. Uh, it's often takes a lot more work to dig into who's good, who can do these jobs. I think in the U.S. Um, um, and, and Europe, uh, um, there's there tends to be a lot easier time finding very quickly someone who's done every specific job under the sun. So as you look for people who've been there, done that, and, and let's say, say in, in, in the U.S., for example, um, it's such a varied uh, um, economy. There's so many companies that have been at every stage of the life cycle that if you need a CFO that has worked at a company that was a startup at one point, who has also worked at a company that's IPO'd and been public and has done X, Y, Z, you can probably find that particular person. Whereas um, in in, uh, in in Kenya, it's often harder to find people, particularly for the uh, social impact world and for the startup world where that that experience uh, isn't as common and, and it's newer um, than in some other markets and then of course at the junior level there's a whole different set of problems around um, making sure that 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 uh, young professionals don't just have their uh, school degrees but they really know how to do the jobs and there's a lot of on-the-job training that needs to happen and things like that
0: yeah, I'm co- I'm curious about the type of companies you work with because let's say a tech company is a very lean team. You can start a company with, a, you know, maybe just the founder and just a few people. Whereas a company that provides services, let's say a call center, requires lots of people. So what would be what's the difference between? Finding talent for a tech company and let's say a company that is not a company that needs more people like services or impact organizations like you work with.
1: I, th- I think the, the the basic process and the basic challenges are, are pretty similar. Um, I think, of course, the difference is what skills you're looking for. And I think in Africa, uh, um, uh, at least in Kenya, but I think this is this is broadly true. There are very few companies here that are pure tech. Even the tech startups tend to have very um, human interfaces, human operations. Um, um, It's it's one of the things that I think you see, whereas in the U.S., uh, many startups start as a tech company. They focus on their uh, intellectual property. They think about um, where they're going to grow from from there. And then they only start hiring people after there's a whole product built out that you've, you know, Built out in San Francisco around pizza boxes and whatnot. Whereas, whereas, oftentimes the companies I interact with, both as an as an investor, which I still do a bit of, and as uh, as a um, in my role at Shortlist, um, very often you you're need to build the business first, and the product and tech come later. And the product and tech are enablers to building a good, successful business. And so, I think the uh, the, the challenges can be the same. Uh, um, all these companies need to figure out. Uh, uh, find the folks that that, that can do the job. And oftentimes you're finding folks who are doing the job for the first time. Um, So the way in which you evaluate potential um, using different kinds of tests for competency and work samples and making certain kind of leaps and assumptions about what people are going to be capable of, I think that's that's one of the uh, challenges. It's also one of, I think, the opportunities to get more people access to great jobs.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I still talking about the type of companies I mentioned at the beginning, impact organizations. You guys at list, are more specialized in these type of companies. So, but what's an impact organization, let's say? Or it could be many things, but how do you define that?
1: I got into one of the turning points of my career was almost 20 years ago now. I was part of a group that was starting a community development bank back in the US that was trying to be a for-profit bank, but was very much trying also to serve social objectives around providing much-needed financial services to households, to NGOs, to small businesses. And I think that was one of my first experiences that's led me on the next 18, 20 years of my life around how how do you build businesses that are, are addressing a significant social problem, or um global problem and so um you know there was a time in my life when i I was a little bit more radical and and thought capitalism should be tear down torn down i now think that uh um um If you really want to have an impact, it's best to work with markets rather than against them and find these companies that are figuring out business models that are addressing some unmet need in the market. Um, What this means for us is that very often the companies we work with are usually uh, for profit companies. Not always. We work with a fair bit of NGOs and foundations, but a lot of the companies are for profit, but but they have a social uh, uh, mission that might be around providing education. To low-income households might be about providing health access um, to low-income households might be about credit to small businesses, um, um, insurance to farmers, uh, um, um, so, uh, solar energy access and, and and clean and clean lighting and cook stoves and you know all of these different areas where uh, um, there's an unmet need. there's uh, wh- whether they're poor customers or small businesses, they still have buying power and they need something and they're willing to pay for it. The innovation comes, and how do you get something to them in a way that works? And we get great joy out of helping those companies achieve their mission um, and and helping with the the hiring and the people side of it.
0: Yeah, actually, that brings me to my next question. So, do you want to share some of these happy stories, these success stories, where you guys came in and solved? a problem these companies had. On
1: the company level, um, I think the work we do on executive search is very much focused on finding these critical uh, um, high leverage leaders uh, who can come in oftentimes as C-suite or C-1 positions to kind of come in and drive the growth of the company. Every time we make one of those placements, as long as it goes well, which they usually do, uh, we have some some misses, but generally um, we are able to, to see and hear about the ways that these these placements unlock a whole new growth growth trajectory for a company and any anyone who's been in a small startup who got their you know, amazing chief product officer in, or amazing chief technology officer, or an amazing COO, uh, they can really, uh, you know, even just like one or two people in an organization, and particularly at early stages, can really shift and drive uh, changes. I think at an industry level, we also work a lot on workforce development that focuses on trying to make sure young people are aware of and prepared for and getting access to Careers of the future. So um, um, I'm really proud of the work that we're doing across the clean energy and climate sectors, uh, where you know there's estimates that that Africa needs to see 50 billion dollars or more per year in investments to really uh, um, um, capitalize on the opportunity ahead of us with the, with a green economy and green growth. If those investments are not paired with the right uh, talent and human capital and skills and solar installers and wind turbine engineers and everything else we need, these investments are gonna fall flat and we're not gonna be uh, capitalizing on the opportunity. So we run a variety of programs that are focused on um, raising awareness among young people and getting them excited about jobs in the green economy. We, we, we run training and often in partnership we, we help evaluate for where people might fit and then we actually place people into jobs because I think one of the things we see is that uh, many folks have the foundational skills to fit into work in this space. Um, they just don't have the work experience and they don't have the benefits of on-the-job practice where you get to uh, um, practice those, those technical skills, absorb soft skills, and have something to put on your resume that can be a springboard for the rest of your career. I think we also work a lot in the tech space uh, where more and more young people are finding jobs um, where they're sitting wherever they live uh, Kenya Nigeria Ghana etc but accessing work um, from employers, that are in uh, um, Europe, US, uh, uh, et cetera. Um, One of the angles, you know, I think we we love to just see where the blockages are and where the challenges are. One of the things we've been working on, um, which is kind of of strange for us, but fun is uh, is we're noticing more and more people are getting job offers. They're getting getting work uh, in, in, in distributed global platforms but they don't have the equipment to do it. They don't have laptops. They don't have power backups that can guarantee consistent power supplies. They don't have the right monitors or mouses or whatever it is. So we've actually begun um, um, financing these uh, for f- folks who are getting jo- getting work, but aren't, aren't having the right uh, equipment. And so enabling more and more people to participate um, in the global economy. Yeah.
0: So let's say someone, a young person just got a job offer, but with some infrastructure problems, sometimes they don't have the right equipment. So you offer some financing towards, towards this candidate.
1: That's right. Exactly. We're, and in fact, it's not just the money, but what we're able to do is, is uh, um, arrange uh, in bulk uh, access to these devices so they're able to get much better prices and luckily, through the benefit of, of, of one of our funding partners, we're then able to um, supply the the equipment, whether that's a laptop or a or a, or in some cases a phone or a power backup. We get it straight to their house, um, and then we we let them pay back over six to nine months with zero percent interest. Um, Where we're not sure if we'll be able to always do that, but um, but we're we're right now leveraging some some generous uh, um, funding to try to try, try to prove out whether there's a model here that we could extend to more people.
0: A curiosity of mine, because you mentioned clean energy, and is I know it's a very hot topic where I'm living right now in Sweden. So can you just explain a little bit about how the clean energy sector is in Kenya, in Africa, or more specifically in Kenya, where you are right now?
1: Yeah, it, it, it does depend a bit um, country by country uh, based on whether you're a country that already has been very dependent on, on uh, um, oil and gas or, or coal. And um, a country like Kenya, there's a unique opportunity to leapfrog all of that legacy infrastructure. Uh, Most of Kenya's grid, most of how electricity is provided, is from clean sources. It's from solar, it's from geothermal, it's from wind. And at a household level, because there are so many people uh, off-grid, many, many households address this by buying their own distributed solutions. So it could be they have... uh, um, um, solar lights or solar home systems that they invest in at a household level. Sometimes it's at a community level in microgrids. So I actually think the opportunity in, in, in Africa around um, renewable power is huge. Um, I've seen uh, one projection that by 2040, um, um, Africa should Africa's renewable energy potential would be able to serve the global demand for energy 50 times over. Um that's that's an incredible potential. And so I think what we're seeing right now um, in 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 many countries in Africa is is the opportunity to lean into this green growth agenda. um, um all of the the dirty, carbon emitting um, industry that happens in other parts of the world, can we bring some of that to, to Kenya and to other parts of Africa where because the, the renewables are so strong, we can instantly make this a, a far less carbon intensive um, industry. So I think uh, what we're working on, and there's there's thankfully there's a lot of energy and momentum right now, but trying to take advantage of these unique adva- um, advantages that uh, Africa has. Africa's got huge renewable potential, It has huge um, natural resources, meaning that if you are making, let's say, aluminum um, and and you've got bauxite nearby, you don't need to throw it on a boat and ship it a long ways. You just do it right there. And then, of course, where we come in is around the talent. We have a huge potential workforce. And if more and more of these young people are uh, aware of these opportunities, preparing for these opportunities, we can really be ready to step up to the moment. Uh, in ways that I find really exciting. So even though Africa really hasn't been one of the big causes of the problem, I mean, Africa as a continent is only three percent of global emissions. I think many of us hope that Africa could be a huge part of the answer uh, with the, with the workforce, the resources, and the and the renewable energy.
0: Yeah, no, that's, I find it fascinating, especially what you said that Africa only has the three three percent of carbon emissions globally. And now it's time to talk about the future. Your plans for the future, how do you see shortlist expanding? Because you are in Kenya right now, but do you, do you guys have any plans to go to other countries or maybe other sectors within Kenya?
1: Absolutely. Um, I think uh, first and foremost, our our mission is to solve human capital challenges for the companies that we care about. Um, These are companies across the impact and innovation sectors, and that will always be our North Star. Like What human capital and talent challenges are coming up, and which ones are we well-placed to solve? So um, one uh, dimension of of growth is just expanding more across Africa. Um, Today, um, we have teammates in uh, Kenya, in Nigeria, in Egypt, and in Mauritius. Um, we would very much like to expand into other countries. We are currently working on the executive search side, in particular, across Africa. Um, not every country, but but we're, we're, we we have we have done work in in most countries by, by at this point. Um, so I do think there's a geographic expansion, and then we're always just looking for other innovations, other business lines, and offers that we might be able to make to the market to address pain points. So we are looking at expanding some of the workforce development we're doing into a broader range, a broader array of, of climate sectors. So there's a lot of things across. I mean, we're looking at a moment where every every sector is going to change. Uh, every industry has to change in the next 20 to 50 years. Um, it's going to change a lot of job opportunities, and we want to be ready with the workforce across changes in how we move around, how we build buildings, how we create how, how we, uh, um, produce materials, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's that's one dimension. Um, we do wanna look at other ways to help uh, uh, particularly young Africans uh, participate in the global digital economy for work. So um, we're running a number of, of programs around um, on training and access, and I mentioned the, the, the financing to participate and access these global jobs. I think we'll continue to work um, and lean into this trend Around remote work and distributed work, where people can, you know, access these what we call any anywhere jobs. You know, sit 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 in Kenya, sit in Nigeria, work work anywhere. Uh, so I think we're excited about that. And and one of the things I'm very excited about is to start um, helping startups and 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 social ventures access uh, more just in time expertise. So we're, we're launching a platform soon. That will make it much easier for companies to access uh, more senior executives on a part time or project based basis. So, you know, companies that can't afford a full time senior CFO, but want a great local CFO for one day a week or want a great local CFO for three months while they get through a fundraise or something like that. And so I think, yeah, I mean, what we're seeing is more and more companies need. People who've been there, done that, with real expertise, with real skills, uh, but often can't afford it, or often don't have enough clarity on how long they'll need it to really engage in a full-time search. And luckily, we're at a moment where more and more professionals don't want to work the old-fashioned way. They they want to uh, um, uh, cannot work on their own time. They want the flexibility, the autonomy. They want to work with a few companies at once. And so, we have a database of over forty thousand senior executives in Africa, in addition to a database of over a million young professionals. Uh, but we'd love to start helping helping companies access uh, um, uh, people uh, when when and where they need them.
0: Yeah, yeah. Any plans to South America? Not yet. Brazil. not yet. To. I love
1: I love South America. Um in my old life, I used to spend a lot of time uh, um traveling and investing there. but um, um, right now, Africa is keeping us uh, more than more than busy enough.
0: And Absolutely. so thank you, Paul. I think it was a very insightful conversation. I learned a lot about finding talent in Africa, connecting the dots. And just before we go, where can people find out more about Shortlist? They can uh, reach out direct to you on LinkedIn.
1: Yeah, our website's www.shortlist.net. My name, uh, um, Paul Breloff, uh, probably probably easiest on LinkedIn, um, where we live and breathe as as a talent company. But I uh, really appreciate the chance to be here.
0: Yeah, welcome, welcome. And I'll make sure I put all the links in the description. So if you want, anyone wants to go and reach out to Paul, just click on that. And don't forget to follow this podcast wherever you are listening to this podcast right now. And go check out EmergingMarkets.today for more articles, more content about Emerging Markets and innovation, tech innovation, everything there.